0: The Beeves took a tight one over the Ducks in the erstwhile Civil War. Uh, Washington struggled mightily in the first half, but had their largest comeback in decades against Utah. We're going to talk about all that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren.
1: Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver, offense number 64. I rule that penalty is disregarded.
0: This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So, uh, started off first thing last week on Friday, Black Friday. Uh, you know, the conference did their best to get the normal rivalry games in because this is the time when they would be played. And we started off with, I'd say, what? The Civil War? The game. The with- Oh, the game was first.
1: Yes, the game. Yeah, was first. so we
0: had Stanford and Cal. Cal mightily disappointing this season. Stanford also disappointing. These teams came into the game a combined 0 and 5. And, uh, you know, I don't know how surprised we are at this result. I, th- I, w- I want to say we were both on Stanford, but we both thought the line was about right either way. Uh, Stanford ends up taking this one 24 to 23. Cal on a full Eric covid dive for the year they're not even they're not even here these games don't count i bet if you ask them that's what they'd say
1: yeah they never righted the ship after the their first week cancellation and they now have lost their rivalry game uh they were one and a half point favorites in this game so having lost by a point they did not cover uh, obviously and you did pick stanford correctly i did not i picked cal um Davis Mills uh, in the game for Stanford. Um, I remember he missed on a false positive at Oregon, so this he's had one less game than than they have. And, I, I mean, this game, I think all things being equal, was it was a fun watch. I mean, 23-24, it was, you know, back and forth, 10-10 uh, at halftime. Stanford takes the lead uh, in the third quarter. Cal comes back in the fourth quarter with a couple field goals, but just can't quite – Oh no no sorry sorry no not a couple of field goals they score uh, with uh, you know with less than a minute to go in the fourth quarter and then miss uh, an extra point. Um, <laughs> to lose. I saw I saw the six and the four and so I just assumed but I no, I no. I watched this live watching Cal come all the way back on a drive score a touchdown line up to kick the extra point on the tie and that thing got blocked for real blocked and that is how Cal lost this game. Very wow. very brutal for Cal. Yeah. Oh, that's awful
0: for them. Uh yeah, between those two uh uh quarterbacks, both of them were like very uh, you know, emblematic of their respective offenses and that uh they weren't really going downfield a lot. They completed passes and, you know, didn't create turnovers, but I mean, it's just like 6.4 yards per attempt for Stanford, 5.2 for Cal. This is like real, real dink and dunk garbage football. If you're, if you're, a, you know, an enthusiast of like kind of more wide open offenses,
1: if you're an enthusiast of good football, <laughs> yeah. Say,
0: just... so like, if you want to watch a game and be like, uh, you know every play potentially could go for 30 yards you know what i mean which is technically true of every game you watch but like some games it's not true yeah Re- you know really like it would be a, a shocking you know uh collapse in coverage you know like somebody falls over or just something insane happens yeah rather than a team scheming uh, having shown the capability to do that against the defense trying its darndest yes
1: yes so but yeah, I, I, not much uh, else yeah. to say about this game other than it was uh, it was a very in, in terms of two terrible teams playing, they played each other pretty even, and it was enjoyable to watch.
0: Yeah, that's all you want to see. Get after it, you know. And then, uh, so then, now we go to the Civil War, uh, and that was uh, another like really close game, really entertaining game. Like you thought, I thought at least that at one point. At the half, the Ducks are up 24-13, to 13, and I'm kind of thinking the elevator is going to keep going up uh, for them. But the Bees just hung around. I mean, they the Bees entered the fourth quarter down two scores, you know. They did. Uh, they did. And then uh, they get it back real quick in the fourth quarter. Ducks go back, so we've got lead changes galore. And then uh, the Bees end up scoring a touchdown with under a minute to go. Oregon can't answer. And I've been thinking something about the Oregon ducks that I want to share with you. Um, I'm, I'm uh, excited Bee- to win forty-one thirty-eight. by the way. Uh, now while the air bear was at Oregon, right. You know, yeah. I had, uh, uh, you know, just because I don't want them to have anything good. I decided that he sucked. Right. Uh, so now, now that he's on the chargers, I've been listening to, like, the Bill Simmons podcast, and you, yeah, the NFL people I follow on Twitter are like, this guy's good, you know? And, like, the n- the numbers bear it out. I mean, I've been, you know, I've, I, like, watched his first few box scores because I'm like, this guy's going to throw for 120 yards, and he's, like, going to be throwing picks left and right. This guy's, like, pretty routinely throwing for 300 yards. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So what's funnier, that might be true, is that he was great all along, and they did get a Rose Bowl out of him. But, like, if you're telling me that Cristobal started his duck career with a legitimate first-round NFL starter, like we're, we're talking like Pro Bowl caliber quarterback eventually, and that's what the air bear has shown so far. You know what I mean? That He's, like, on that track. Yeah. And that's, you know – uh and like to me, they never looked anywhere near as dominant as they did, you know, in the, in the Mariota years or with that with that uh, parade of uh, uh, run threat quarterbacks that they had prior to him with other coaching staffs. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a funnier idea to me that that might be as good as it was going to get for
1: them under Cristobal. It's an appealing idea to you. Is what it is. Yeah, it's extremely appealing. It makes it makes me warm inside as well to feel to feel that way. I don't know. I don't know if it's true. We'll see. Uh, The current. I mean, you can't really blame the current quarterback uh, Shuck for the for Oregon's woes, right? They they put up thirty eight points on their rival. You you'd think in most instances that would be good enough for a win. Um, They were prohibitive favorites in this game. I believe sixteen and a half point favorites. They. Just couldn't stop Oregon State. You know, I mean, Jamar Jefferson just torched them. I believe at one point, Jamar Jefferson had three carries for 121 yards, um, which is a lot. And he ended the game with 29 carries for 226 yards, an average of 7.8 yards per carry. The long was 82 and two touchdowns. Like, that's going to get it done. Um, and Oregon State, as you mentioned, takes takes the lead uh, at, for good with under a minute to go on a fourth and one from the goal line with their starting quarterback, Tristan Gebbia, who uh, has been terrible up to this point in the season, but actually acquitted himself all right in this game. Um, yeah, Gebbia on the sidelines, unable to put any weight on his leg. A, the backup, Jack Coletto, who had never taken a step in college comes in on fourth and one and frankly just ran a hell of a sneak. Like it wasn't even close. Like he No, it wasn't even he, him, dude. It was uh, they said it was Chance Nolan. He got right in. Chance Nolan. Who well who's this Coletto guy? Ah, chance this N- is a great question. It could be I chance. Think
0: they were, they were running a, a wild chance. I feel like.
1: that could be. Yeah. So chance, no one comes in as the backup. Then I guess that would make sense. He only, he wouldn't have had a pass. That's why I was looking at the quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, and never having taken a snap in college before goes up the middle yeah. for a yard and it wasn't even close. He was like, he's in easily. Did you see? I mean, he like, they, yeah. they got great push oh, yeah. on, on Oregon's defensive line and just, and just knocked those guys right straight back into the, you know, halfway into the end zone. Um, Scored easily.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a, a – you know, I, I, uh, people had predicted Oregon State was going to be punchier this year. They've kind of improved a little bit, a little bit, as we talked about a million times on this podcast. But then they come out of the gates losing to Washington State and losing to Washington. Uh, and then for them to turn around and get their wins uh, against uh, Stanford – or was it – did they beat Stanford or Cal – and then they beat Oregon in the rivalry game, all of a sudden they're solid. And uh, if I'm thinking about a team that is, like, absolutely accepting whatever bowl invitation they're given, knowing that they, teams can pick whoever they want, you know what I mean? Like, that would be such a bonus for Oregon State this year.
1: Yeah, they need one more win. I think, I think you had to have three wins to be bowl eligible. Um, but I think that's out. I, th- I think you should say everything I, goes, huh? Yeah,
0: I think they can just straight up pick. They could you know, Michigan or and Penn State can go to bowl games this year if they uh, if they feel like it. They do. I think it's just like no rules. They do not feel like, it, but
1: they could. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other interesting stat for me in this game. Uh, I don't know if he was injured, but CJ Verdell, the running back for the Ducks, uh, non-factor. Nine carries for thirty-six yards. Didn't actually even lead the team in carries. That that went to Travis Die. Um, yeah. Verdell must have been injured, right? Because he's he was sort of slated as the guy as like you know the guy who was going to carry the load for them this year um and you know if they can't run the ball better than they did in this game, they will have a hard time in every game they have for the rest of the season um
0: yeah, I mean, he did leave the game in the first half with an ankle injury
1: but, okay, then that probably explains why he had such a terrible game, even still four, four uh four yards per carry and the yards and the carries that he did have, which was nine, not you know not fantastic so. Um, I don't know. that will be something to watch as they sort of finish out the year. You know, now if you're Oregon now, I mean like, what are they, what are you even playing for? Right? Like nothing you're, you're out of basically everything. It'll be interesting to see how many of those guys on that roster that are going to be pros like uh, Thibodeau, um, keep playing. Cause we have started to see in other parts of the country, we started to see attrition for future NFL players as their teams prove to be terrible or, you know, lose a game or whatever. Um, The guys start to bail out. I just saw that Texas lost its best offensive lineman for the rest of the year because he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Phoenix and work out at like one of those draft prep places. That'll be better. I'm wondering if that's going to start happening, you know, in the Pac-12, is you know, for teams like Oregon where they're just kind of out of it at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're still. I mean, they're when you say out of it. I mean, they're they're still. If they went out, they would still win the Pac-12 North. Like they're uh, very much involved in that respect. But yeah, I mean, they kind of go into the season for whatever reason, which is kind of weird to think that with them with a, you know, first year starting quarterback and missing all these NFL guys, I I don't think they ever like adjusted their expectation when all their NFL players uh, ended up leaving. Uh, They were like thinking legitimately, this is a college football playoff contender this year. Yeah.
1: Well, the playoff is out is what I'm saying. Like they, they're yeah. The playoff is never going to happen. So if that's what, if that's what they're playing for, um, you know, eventually they're gonna, you're gonna start to see some attrition. It hasn't happened yet, so maybe you're right. Maybe they're they're gonna stick with it and see if they can win the North and get a maybe a New Year's Six game. Um, but we'll we'll see.
0: Yeah. All right. So that takes care of our Friday games. On Saturday, we started off. Oh, uh, let's say I don't know which one of these games happened first. Arizona and UCLA. Let's just talk about that one. Yeah, I, what think, I have to say about it. Not much.
1: Yeah, uh, well, you remember you talked about Arizona's quarterback, uh, Gunnell, and his terrible body language. He got hurt basically in the first play of this game. Um, yeah. So, Arizona's quarterback, um, with a famous last name from that state, albeit from the wrong school, uh, stepped in was Will Plummer. Um, and he was not good uh, 17 to 35, so under 50%. Uh, completion percentage, 151 yards, 4.3 yards for attempt, no touchdowns, was intercepted twice and sacked twice. Grant Gannell was one for one for two yards. Um, Just absolutely brutal for Arizona. And it's, I mean, it's frankly a little surprising that this game wasn't more lopsided given, I guess UCLA still doesn't have Dorian Thompson Robinson back. So they're playing their, their backup too. But yikes, man! If you're Arizona, <clears throat> now riding the longest losing streak in program history, uh, I think it's time to I think it's time to pull the plug on the someone someone era.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I wonder how much they'd owe him if he got out, because I'm assuming, like everybody else, they're not in great shape uh, money wise. Yeah, and I think the closeness of the game also reflects that UCLA made an assessment that this Palmer guy wasn't going to hurt him. And UCLA ends up running for almost 300 yards, 300 yards in this game.
1: Yeah. There you go. Talk about these buffs, so, dude.
0: Talk about this buff train. The buffs, dude. Carl Durrell, uh, Pac-12 Coach of the Year, Carl Durrell. Uh, they play a short-notice reschedule game. Uh, they get San Diego State, uh, who would have been Washington's opponent had Utah not come available. Yeah. Um, because the Utes were going to play Arizona State and Arizona State. They might not play again this year. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the Buffs play the Aztecs. And, I mean, this is like – I mean, this it doesn't look like this game was
1: much to watch. 20-10 uh, to 10 Buffs win.
0: Not much Shut to watch. Shout out w- SDSU in the second half.
1: Not much to watch at all, man. What if I was to tell you the quarterback with the most passing yards in this game threw for 138 yards, and that was – well over double what the next highest quarterback threw for in this game, which was seven for 19 for 50 yards. Um, gads, that, dude. Is, that is San Diego State's top top quarterback. Now they did have another guy throw for 26 yards. Uh, so they got 76 yards passing total in this game. Just um, yeah. not great, really. Um, continue, if you're Colorado, to ride the Broussard train, 30, 32 more carries in this one um that guy's in their workhorse uh that's like an old school nfl line the less than four yards of carry getting 124 yards yeah that's a they're like (laughs) yeah ground and pound right there and uh yeah a nice reminder for me watching this game that brady Hoke is the coach of uh, san diego state so you know former uh michigan wolverine head coach Pops up in a very nice place to live, San Diego, with a, a reasonably good season so far at San Diego State, although they did lose this game. But,
0: um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brady Ho coached there before, uh, he, this, this is not his first time being the head coach at San Diego State.
1: That might be true. I don't know. Did he come from San Diego State when he took, I mean,
0: wasn't he like a coordinator at Michigan
1: before he <clears throat> took on? Yeah, that? he was,
0: uh, no, he was, uh, uh, in December 2008 he was hired to coach San Diego State University. Uh and then 3 years later he left, you know, for being head coach at San Diego State to be head coach at Michigan.
1: Okay. And then after he left Michigan he went to the offensive coordinator role at at Oregon for for a minute.
0: Uh defensive coordinator at Oregon.
1: Defensive coordinator at Oregon. Okay. And then what did he do after that?
0: Defensive line Tennessee. Okay. 1 year uh coaching the D line for the Carolina Panthers. And then right back to San Diego State.
1: Yeah. Dude, why yeah, baby. just stay there, Brady. Like if you get it going again at San Diego State, man, just stay there. It's nicer to live there than it is in Ann Arbor. Like it's a way it's a way more pleasant job, I'm sure, as well.
0: Oh yeah. And when he went back to San Diego State, he went back there to coach D line and then their coach Rocky Long retired. <laughs> he's like So he's back.
1: He's like, Oh here I am. What
0: a what a world. All right. He's like, I'm just going to move back into my old office and see if anybody says anything.
1: <laughs> and and they have not and he's got him at 500. Yeah. yeah.
0: We'll take it. We'll take it. All right. Uh, last game. Uh, your Washington Huskies uh, hosted the Utah Utes in a game that was, uh, you know, rescheduled mis- uh, midweek because both of these teams' opponents uh, got the coronavirus. Uh tail two halves, as stark <clears throat> as it could possibly be. Washington, after looking so good, their starters against Arizona uh, came out just inept uh, against the Utes. Uh, and so there's a lot of bad to talk about. And then in the second half, there's just a lot of good to talk about. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Whatever. I, I guess, obviously, let's talk about the first half first. Uh, Washington couldn't get Utah off the field, was my impression. This Jake Bentley guy for Utah was uh doing enough to get first downs he was running. I was unaware that this guy was any kind of running threat, but I mean it was just like you know the classic deal where if we had people covered up, he was able to get his first down relatively comfortably uh and in a in a way, Washington was lucky to get to the locker room only down twenty one to zero
1: shocking first half um just totally inept and in every sense of the word, like when you play Utah, you know, you're going to get like, you know, hit in the mouth, right? Like that's just, that's just a calling card of a Kyle Whittingham, Utah team. They're going to, you know, they're going to bring line play that uh, most of the other schools don't have aside from maybe USC and Oregon and, and you just have to be tough. And man, UW was not tough in the first half of this game. They just couldn't do anything, you know, Bentley for, you know, what you're saying, you know, he had an okay half. I mean, his finals, his final statistics were 16 for 23 for 144 yards and one touchdown and 10 rushes for 33 yards. You would have taken that every day. If like, if you were given that option at the beginning of the game, you would have been like, yes, that is a perfectly acceptable line for this guy. Those, those numbers yeah. were terrible. Um But in the first half he looked, yeah, I mean, he looked unstoppable. He picked up every, you know, must have third down. He, you know, every time the, he stepped up in the pocket. It looked like he had 15 yards of, of open space. Um, they just couldn't, for whatever reason, the defense couldn't quite get it right, uh, and the offense couldn't do anything. Dylan Morris for UW looked terrible. Uh, the running game, they are just running into the pile kind of thing, not getting any anybody in space with the ball. Um, it was very, very disheartening, that first half. But – they play two halves of
0: football, don't they? They do. Yeah, they came out of the locker room. It was the the one other play I wanted to draw attention to in the first half was uh, towards the end of it when Washington was just looking to pierce the zero on the scoreboard. They have a you know a field goal in the range of thirty five to forty yards on like a fourth and three or something like that, right? So they they Bob Gregory runs this play out there where they line up to take the field goal. Then Clay Doughton splits out wide and the holder who's our punter runs under center to uh do play calls like we're going to run a trick play which leaves our kicker as the running back on a fourth and short situation and the he went up there made some calls Utah was like correctly assessed that we weren't doing shit and then the play clock runs out and, and our 37-yard field goal becomes a 42-yard field goal because well, that was just the dumbest goddamn play I've ever seen in my life like I mean you know like what somebody's thinking like when they see our punter get under center they're going to be you know it's going to be panic stations and they're going to jump offside or something yeah and like like he's going to
1: take a snap and and pitch it to the kicker <laughs> like yeah
0: <laughs> and then the and then the kicker's just going to go nuts, yeah. Uh, you know, and r- rumble and bumble stumble his way to a first down, and then all of a sudden Washington's going to get it to twenty-one to seven at the half instead of twenty-one to zero. I mean, and what what is so uh, obviously nobody would ever fall for this, and nobody did. But what pisses me off about it additionally is that they appear to have been so convinced it was going to work. That they didn't elect to use a timeout at one second left on the play clock, they're like, "Ah, he'll just make the longer field goal, and then he ends up pushing it by uh close enough to being good that if the kick was five yards shorter, it stood a chance to sneak it inside the upright, yeah, yeah. like it's uh, it was just uh, uh, it was uh unfathomably
1: bad. <laughs> I was very mad when that play <laughs> happened. <laughs> There's like a very fine line between aggression and stupidity, right um yeah and and that that breached that line. Um, there's just so no
0: prove me wrong is what I want to say if we, if that was something to put on tape and we got a play coming out of that, prove me wrong, I want to see it, yeah, yeah, I want to see our punter throwing the ball, yeah, you want
1: to see your punter taking a snap and pitching you know or going off tackle to the kicker, you know
0: i like a i like a pitch to the running back kicker kicker running back, yeah, yeah. who then
1: throws it, Yeah. K-Don. yeah. <laughs> who's the one to the one receiver the legitimate <laughs> offensive player on the field that we have yeah. <laughs> in yeah. defense probably once they get a sense from what's gonna happen gonna gonna lock him down if they can yeah. um, which in the second half they could not
0: um, <laughs> yeah, they could not i mean that's uh he's amazing, i mean, and you have to think that this guy is uh. Out of here, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do think that, yes. Because if you, as a junior, if you have back to back games, I don't care under what conditions, as a tight end where you have a hundred yards receiving, uh, and multiple scores, like this is,
1: uh, this guy's legitimate. Well, yeah, and I think the beat rider for the Huskies. Oh, uh, or some someone on the the who covers of the University of Washington tweeted out, you know, Kate Otten might be the best tight end in the country, and apparently, what's happened in response to that is that a bunch of s you know a bunch of SEC fans have have come in and hit him with um, uh, video clips of uh, Florida's tight end Pitts, who. Yeah. I'm told is really not really a tight end. He's actually just like a wide receiver who they get matchup problems yeah. with by putting him at tight end. But technically since he plays tight end, he's going to probably get first team all American as tight end. But here's the thing about yeah. that. Like he's the only one that people are pointing out. Like, like you didn't really prove our guy wrong. Like maybe he's the second best tight end in the country then, but like, that's still pretty good. You know, like that's like, if that's, if that's all we established there was like, that there might be one other guy down in Florida who's better. Like, yeah. That's pretty damn good and K- and kate Otten also apparently, if you listen to the coaching staff, is a world class blocker um which the n f l teams all love um so yeah,
0: everybody says he blocks his ass off, and i you know I don't see that because I'm watching the ball yeah because i don't, but, I, don't, uh, I don't know what to look it, for there,
1: but yeah
0: yeah, I take him at their word, you know, and you'd have to uh assume that his blocking is better than uh this pitts guy who sounds like a Hunter Bryant type in terms of a
1: tight end, yeah so. You know he's he should go to the league after this after the season, and I wish him well. And I think I think UW's got a couple of like good younger tight ends on the roster. So, you know, I mean that that's not that's been a pretty consistent over the last couple years. UW's been doing pretty good about like turning out these tight ends. Yeah, uh,
0: and then the, regarding the comeback, uh, amazing drive at the end of the game by Dylan Morris. Uh, uh, didn't let his multiple interceptions. I mean, and he threw some shockers early in this game. So I'm sure the first time this year that he's looked like, oh, wait, this guy might be dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but on that last drive, uh, amazing. The touchdown to uh, get the lead there at the end to Otten was just fantastic. Um, uh, you know, he moved the pocket around. He was moving people with his eyes and then he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't just throwing it like I would throw it to an open receiver there, where it's just like float it. <laughs> you know, yeah. give this guy every opportunity to catch it. And by the time the ball gets there, you know, twenty players on Utah are going to arrive at the exact same time. Uh, I mean, he he ripped that thing, uh, and then you know was had some aggressive did the ice ice water in his veins celebration, which looks like I'm I'm a heroin addict that one. Yeah, you know? yeah, he does. It does appear <laughs> like
1: you might be doing drugs. Um,
0: yeah. But I like it. I mean, that. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant, you know, when I had I to, you know, have that explained to me uh, by the community on Twitter, what that celebration means. But now I know what it means. Um, yeah. But yeah. So what what I thought was so as bad as the first half was, the second half was amazing uh, in terms of. What I'm left reflecting on after this game is that this this game has to be so huge for the program's belief, uh, because. I kind of felt like during the Chris Peterson era that you could, you knew if Washington was going to win the game essentially when the first quarter was over, because th- if either things were going according to plan or they weren't, you know, yeah. and way more often than not things were going according to plan. But for uh, all of Chris Peterson's uh, uh, many uh, things to recommend him, uh, I believe his Washington teams were something like one in sixteen or one in fifteen when trailing at the half yeah, not good. Uh, by any amount, much less three scores. Uh, and, you know, I mean, like that really, it, it truly does say a lot about the team that they didn't, that they not only didn't quit, you know, that they didn't just go out there and give a solid effort in the second half, but they actually clawed the game back. Uh, that, I feel like that has to help you going forward in every game, because as long as you're not down more than 21, you, you have evidence now that you're not out of it.
1: Well, and not only that, but Utah is a ground-and-pound, grinded-out team. You know, Washington beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship a couple years ago, 10-3. to Um, Disgusting game. Just disgusting. And and the only touchdown in that game. I
0: barely enjoyed it, and my team won the conference championship.
1: Yeah, that only touchdown in that game was that weird pick six by um, Byron Murphy where the Receiver caught yeah. it, kind of rolled over, juggled it, handed it to him, and then he went back the other way. But um, anyways, I'll uh, take this. Yeah, I'll, sure, I'll take this <laughs> to the house. Um, but in any event, with all that to say, like if you're down twenty-one to Utah, that's be that's like being down thirty-five to most other teams. Yeah. Like that's that you're down, like you're down and out. You know, I yeah, this is just not Utah is just not a team that either offensively or defensively is built to let a team come back from three scores. And so even when Washington came out of the locker room and scored initially, I was like, okay, like, you know, that's, that's good. But uh, like everything else has to break right for this to like, work out. And then Bentley, th- yeah. and Ben Bentley threw that pick to Elijah Molden, just bad throw by Bentley. Um, and molden cut, undercut the route beautifully. Uh, UW got points out of that. I was like, okay, that's, you know, that's a delight, um, you know, and then things kind of chilled out for a little bit. Um, it wasn't until the end, you know, the very end of the quarter that UW got into the uh, end zone with a very nice pass to Kate Otten, you know, for his first touchdown. Um, and at that point, you know, you're like, man, they almost clawed it all back in a quarter. The, for the third quarter yeah. ended 21-17. You know, and it yeah. was just like, and then the question was like, are they gonna are they gonna blow it though? Like, are they gonna not seal it? You know what I mean? Like, they had all the momentum yeah. there, but they got a true fresh or a redshirt freshman quarterback. What's gonna happen here? You know, and Utah gets the ball. They're driving down, you know, to the basically on like the ten yard line, and then Kyler Gordon puts his helmet on the ball with that running back, and just a beautiful form tackle forces that fumble. And then, even then, you have to like you have to look at what happened in the like immediate aftermath of that play to uh, to appreciate like how unlikely this comeback was and how fortuitous it was because that ball's bouncing along the sideline there's plenty of room to recover it but it's bouncing in the vicinity of the sideline where uh, at least 50% of the time it's recovered out of bounds or squirts out of bounds yeah. and nobody gets you know so there's in that instance it's just a it's a it's a no harm no foul utah still gets the ball they're going to get points on that drive, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. And, it, you know, the mountain is that much higher for Washington to climb. But the ball stayed inbound, and ZTF, who's a fucking first-team All-American players, like as far as I can tell, um, is is there. And then what are the two outcomes for him, right? I, I'd say, again, eight out of ten times a guy of that size, in, you know, of that he falls on the ball, and Washington gets it at the ten. You know, and, and then you're yeah. thinking the Washington's going to, you know, they're going to come out, they're going to run a couple of plays, they're going to punt, but they're not, you know, Utah's going to get the ball back at their 40 or their 50, you know, in in three minutes. But, no, he scoops the ball. He's able to actually scoop it and advance it 30 yards downfield. Um, so even though Washington doesn't score points on that next drive as a result, it it impacted the outcome of the game because, you know, it just flipped the field. It It was – Just stuff like that just kept happening in the second half, which normally does not happen, as you pointed out under Peterson, uh, to just not only keep UW in it, but then, you know, they just kept clawing back and they, you know, flipping the field when they needed to. um, And then ultimately, you already covered the beautiful drive at the end. But it's just, I I have never been more surprised at a comeback victory than I was on on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, it feels great to win. uh, And that, I, I potentially, potentially like uh like really significant for the program in terms of uh uh the belief because even uh ever since the for season, I felt like at home games in husky Stadium when the team is playing poorly uh the crowd gets very tight you know uh and I wanna contrast that with uh when we were in school when we had the year when we went to the rose Bowl we were all we, I felt like we were behind in like every game yeah. And you just, you knew they were going to come back. And that's like the pure uh, experience, you you know, it was like what, what a a team's fans are supposed to do, you know, like give them the extra edge and like make the, uh, you know, and like just unequivocally cheer for the team rather than be like, ah, here we go again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't enjoy it. And then I did. And we mentioned I mentioned ZTF once or twice. We should talk a lot more about that guy because that dude is a freaking beast. Here's 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 how good he is.
0: Zion tupoula Fatui. Yeah. I've I've practiced saying his name.
1: Yeah. He's good, dude. He's I it, was like,
0: he's so good. I've I've I went from not you know, not knowing this guy from Eve uh to panicked uh checking what class he was. To make sure we get him for at least one more year after this year, which we do. Oh, thank God! Uh, yeah, that, he's I was so like, good. Oh dude. no, if he's a redshirt sophomore, he's gone, dude, because he's like a top ten pick.
1: He's so good. It's like uh, Washington. You know, I. I you know how not much he Washington. weighs? Like two thirty.
0: Get ready for this.
1: He's two eighty. Jesus. He looks. He moves <laughs> like he's two thirty. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, no. He's so good. It's <laughs> I was not a Washington things. I was not a Washington Husky fan when Steve Emptman was around. He's the standard by which yeah. all you know Washington fans judge great players and, and that's fine. I I just wasn't I was ten years old and lived in Texas or the Philippines. I don't know, one of the two when that dude was at UW. So it just doesn't it's just not on my radar. Um and so like I I it's like it's it's like if you have Khalil Mack on your team or something. I mean, he's, he's unguardable. Like he split yeah. double teams to get sacks. He came around, he got a 15 yard penalty. That was total garbage. Um, yeah. He should have had another sack. Um, he's just, he's just killing people and just, yeah. and, and he's unguardable. And they're, and they're always keep pointing out. They're like, Oh, he wasn't even stated to be the starter. And I'm like, what, on what planet was this dude not going to start and play every single Snap. They're like, well, you know, if yeah. Joe Tryon had not uh, declared early, we might not even like give me a break. This dude's better than Joe Tryon ever was. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. I love Joe Tryon, but get the hell out of town, dude. You're not like as good as this guy. Like, yeah. Oh, dude. it's insane. It's insane. I'm, I'm
0: glad you said you thought he was 230 because I thought he was 230 also. He's so, he's so
1: fluid. That's 20 years of me watching Caesar Rayfords and such come around the edge yeah, and not, yeah. And not get anywhere and be like, why? Because it's 230. But, yeah, you're right. When you're that athletic and you're 280, you hit the left tackle or whatever and they go backwards, which is a really nice yeah. change of pace, you know?
0: Yeah, you have a second move. Yeah. In, in addition to just being able to, you know, flow around these people like water and move directly to the quarterback, you can also just bull rush them. Like he's he is an unreal prospect. Like I've I've uh, it's crazy to me that like you know I have uh, pay attention to so much Husky news and follow so many Husky beat writers on Twitter, and I know they close their practices, so you like can't see what's going on and such. But like, wh- how has this guy not been the only thing anybody is ever talking about? Like he's that good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> It's yeah, so good. I I can't even believe how good he is. It's we've never had this in in our time at UW. We've had some very good defensive linemen: Tank Johnson, Larry Triplett, uh, Danny Sheldon, You know, mostly interior guys. Vita Vea, um, but this dude is just on another on another level. And I'm I'm here for it, man. Like I,
0: he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, like even when. Uh... Holy Kakaha had, like, you know, an insane amount of sacks. Uh, I think, like, 19 and a half the year before he went pro, which is unreal. But, like, you never I – ne- I never got the impression, at least while I was watching him, where it's like, this guy, you can't you, you can't do anything with him. There's, there's nothing you can do to stop him. But, like, Z- ZTF is a completely other level. Insane. Well, I'm very happy we get him awesome. here. I know. I am as well. Uh, how are we doing, picks? Uh,
1: you did all right. You went f- two and two. I uh, went one and three. Worm went three and one. And Toby B went one and three. I did not count the Colorado game because none of us got it in in time. Uh, so we only ended up with the, the the game, the Civil War UW game, in UCLA Arizona um, for the, the games that count. So that on the year puts you and I tied at eight and eight. And then Worm and Tubby are tied at ten and six, headed into week five. Well, flight. neither
0: of those guys have to do the work of, uh, you know, actually appearing on the podcast.
1: That's right. That's, so that's
0: what I want to say. So I, I feel like dude, two games behind. That's just time I'm putting in uh, producing the content.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I don't know what my excuses, right. is, but it's whatever.
0: <laughs> You're here
1: as well, dude. Yeah, that's right. Uh,
0: uh, all right. So we got uh, football games
1: coming up this week. Let's start, Cal. The home team hosting the Oregon Ducks-Oregon 10-point favorites. Uh, an interesting line, given that Oregon couldn't stop Oregon State to save their lives, and Cal did score 23 points last week. Um, suggests that Vegas does not really feel Cal at all. And even though I rode Oregon last week and lost, I'm going to do the same this week. And, I mean, hopefully to lose again, I'll be happy, perfectly content with that. Yeah, I'm going
0: I'm to do the same thing. I can't – I. What, what I would say to distinguish this from Oregon State is that uh, Jamar Jefferson was the best player on the field uh, between Oregon and Oregon State. Cal offensively doesn't have anything that's his equal. Um, and you know, their quarterback is essentially Gibbia. So, like, to beat Oregon, they need somebody to step up and run for 226 yards, which I don't believe they have. I agree, so, so, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I feel like the Ducks are giving them, give them a nice little bounce back here.
1: I agree. That takes us to a game where I've already filled in your pick for you because I don't understand this line at all. Arizona is hosting Colorado, and Colorado is a, is a mere touchdown favorite. What is going on there? How, how can that be?
0: It's going to be ugly. I mean, this is going to be – got to love the Pac-12 to watch this one because neither of these teams are uh, particularly fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just like, it's just the pure belief. I feel like on this one is that Colorado still has something to play for this season, Arizona. Uh, they don't know who, you know what I mean? Their, their quarterbacks ain't getting it done. Their, uh, players are like quitting in real time as the game's going on. Uh, yeah. I've, Colorado. Yeah. A
1: hundred percent. What
0: could, there. what could possibly motivate Arizona to play well in this game? Uh,
1: nothing. I, there's no, they, I I don't understand it. So yeah, I'm with you 100% on the buffs. Here's a game yeah. where it's a du- it's a double digit spread and I almost feel like the the wrong team is favored. But I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm taking too much of that. Utah is at home facing Oregon State. Who do you think is favored? Ooh I mean, and keep in mind they're favored by double digits. So, who do you think is a double digit favorite in this game? Who's at home? Utah. I guess the Utes. Ten and a half point favorites over Oregon State. That I, number's too high. That baffles me. Way too yeah. high. Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, Oregon
0: State. Utah's got to be playing somebody in EP to cover up 10 points. I guess.
1: Oregon State's quarterback is hurt that probably doesn't help he was hurt in the last minute yeah. of that game so that's probably what's leading to this line being as a such um but Oregon State is Jamar Jefferson right like that's what they are um yeah I, I'm not I'm not saying I'm I guess I, I I said the wrong team is favored I guess I don't feel hundred percent that way I, I don't feel like Utah isn't gonna win this game but I don't know it just seems like such a big line is the you know the second biggest line of the week um in terms of a favorite for a Utah team that is doesn't have a win, you know, their quarterback situation is not great. Bentley, I, I gave you his stats earlier. He, you know, and he looked all otherworldly in the first half of the game because you dub and then finished with that pedestrian stat line. I just I don't know. I don't see it. So I don't see it either.
0: I don't see it either. Um, and then like how do you trust Utah if they even get out to a big lead anymore?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm taking the Beavs. What are you? What are, what's your, what's your pick here?
0: I, I like the Beavs also. I like them through the front door and I like them through the back door. They're com They're, they're getting inside the number, but I do like Utah to win the game.
1: All right, that brings us to this penultimate game, which is Arizona State apparently healthy and able to host a game this year. This is another. Okay, this is another game where I think the line is just wrong. Um, I think the wrong team is favored. I'm going to say that right now. I've got Arizona State yeah. as the home team uh, hosting UCLA. Who's the, who's the favorite in this game?
0: I would say that you'd have to have UCLA favorite in this game.
1: By how many? Uh, no, you know, no. I'd like a field goal. All right. So Arizona State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, having not played in a minute. Um, yeah. Presumably they haven't been able to practice, right? Yeah. They haven't been able to practice. They haven't been able to play. Um, you know they can't. Again, their season is now over because they can't get to any. Um, they lost their first game, and then they, now they can't get to like I think their maximum number they can play is three games, um, this week and next week.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I don't see it, man. Maybe they get a bowl game, but I I don't understand. UCLA is is you know they almost beat Oregon. They you know came back last week and you know beat up on Arizona. As you said, as Ugly score, they, but you know they they did it with their backup. Um, they you know they're looking all right under Chip. I I I think UCLA's the the team to beat in this game. I'm, I'm taking the Rose. I like
0: them. Yeah, I'll take it. Are the Cougs playing this week?
1: The Cougs are playing this week. What is what is the game? I have
0: them on Sunday or something.
1: Yes, they're playing USC on Sunday. That is right. I want to add that. Let me
0: see here. Why is this? Why is this happening on
1: Sunday? Uh probably because why, USC. Why is this going up against Sunday night football? I'll watch this. Are you kidding me? I will too. Cougarino's know Trojans, dude. <laughs> USC minus 14. Yeah. Alright. So this wasn't the penultimate game. Um, oh, there we go. So we got now we got this is the penultimate game. USC. Hosting the Cougs. Max Borgie practiced today. I saw on the Twitter machine. He's practicing. They've got their true freshman quarterback back. back. I was, I was, suppose he's got to be back. They've been off for two straight weeks. Um, so he's, he's, wrong you know, he's,
0: team is favored.
1: You, you, <laughs> USC is 14 point favorite. So earlier when I said Utah no was chance. 14 points, you cannot bet Clay Helton is a double. Yeah, no double-digit favorite ever, ever, no ever. chance, ever. Give me a break, Cougs, man, all day,
0: Cougs, dude. I like them to win. I like. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking about like Washington State, UCLA, just money line.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> that's just crazy. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm with you, Cougs, man, Cougaritos. and
0: Oregon State.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got some parlay. We got some parlay options here. We'll have to talk this over and get get ourselves yeah. a little parlay going. Um,
0: I mean, we. Well, I mean, if we do a little tease on that, right? Then all yeah. of a sudden we got UCLA plus ten and a half or so, Oregon State plus like sixteen, and Cougs plus twenty. Yeah,
1: that's significant. We're living. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get through that just fine. I yeah. like the Cougs to make this a game for sure. Crushed well particularly if they get Borgie back is arguably the second or third best running back in the conference you know i mean jamar, jamar jefferson i think has made his case uh Broussard at colorado is the workhorse there and it's hard to argue with him um UW has sort of a stable of backs but i wouldn't say I, any of them are better than borgie individually so yeah uh, man I yeah. yeah i mean he's he's the guy so i he's coming back he's playing in this game like that's a it's a huge a shot in the arm for their for their offense so Cooks all day, which then brings us to the dogs staying at home for the fourth straight week. They've caught a nice little run of home games here, having not left Husky stadium. Um, and they are hosting the Stanford Cardinal as 11 point favorites. The Huskies over these Cardinal uh, Stanford got kicked out of their County because their County will not let them practice anymore. So Stanford is already here. Uh, Today is Tuesday. Stanford came up already. I don't know where they ended up deciding to stay and where they're going to be practicing, but um, they're here for the long haul, so they should be acclimated by the time kickoff comes around. And what what say you about this game? Uh, I like Washington to
0: win. Uh, I think uh, Stanford, uh, in terms of what they can uh, accomplish for the season, they did it last week uh, in winning the rivalry game. Yep. Um, they have otherwise looked like trash. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, if I was like really betting it, I'd, I'd maybe balk at Washington as double digit favorites, uh, considering how bad Washington was in the first half against Utah, but I'm going to choose to be optimistic and say they, they got it out of their system for one. And for two, uh, kind of now have the confidence to know that like when maybe a series isn't going well uh that I, I what i think it does is that it makes it makes that sort of thing less likely to snowball uh because you're confident uh that you're going to get it back so you're not like you know freaking out uh that this thing's just going to get away from you and you don't know how to you have nothing to grab onto. i feel like it, j- it just makes you more likely to kind of stick to doing what you do well
1: yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, Stanford has looked pretty bad. They needed a missed extra – well, they blocked it, but they, you know, a missed extra point against Cal to preserve that win. Um, Cal's, we pointed out, is not any good. Um, and UW has everything to play for right now at 3-0. They made their first appearance in the college football playoff countdown at like 22 or something. No hope of ever getting a sniff of the playoff, and good. I don't want them anywhere near the playoff. Yeah, I don't want one either. I want to play.
0: Uh, I want to play in the best bowl game they let us play in against a team that, like, uh, is there largely on reputation. Dude, that give, really give me good.
1: the Rose Bowl this year against what, like Indiana, probably.
0: Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Whose
1: quarterback just tore his ACL? You know, like. Yeah. Just take a. We'll take a nice little asterisk Rose Bowl you know put
0: oh there is no such thing salt
1: that away in the in the in the you know in the halls of the you know wherever we keep those rose bowl trophies let's put them there i mean like uh you know i, I i'm 100% let's just keep this train going um and uh, i feel pretty good about that this week just cuz stanford you know the the one thing stanford has is a pretty good quarterback uh, you know UW's defense you know looks looks the part you know again even last week with how bad the first half was they didn't this is the second game this year where they didn't allow a point in the second half um, to their opponent, which is good, good living. you um, going to win a lot of games if you shut opponents out in the second half of these games. So um, I think you'd have to win 11 points. is a little aggressive, but what, what can you do?
0: Yeah. And I, and I also want to talk about how good Trent McDuffie has been. Uh, he's the, he's the next in line for me of the Sidney Jones, Kevin King, Buda Baker, Byron Murphy uh, Elijah molden I'm sure, there's other yeah uh, Elijah molden uh Trent McDuffie's the next one for me uh that guy's fantastic him and molden it's it's unfair how good our secondary is and has been for so long uh Asa Turner, I'm definitely out on yeah <laughs> I'm not like I'm not like a huge believer in that guy yet. I just haven't seen it uh, he's still pretty young, so hopefully he comes around but uh yeah, molden and McDuffie are monsters. Kyler, uh, Kyler still, Gordon
1: looks good as hell. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he's a nickel because he's just not gonna. He's not gonna break. He's not gonna break in as a as a cover corner with Molden and McDuffie. But he's 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 good. Man, like he he caused well, that fumble. Well,
0: he's gonna play because uh, people have been taking shots at Keith Taylor, uh, who has kind of played all over the defensive backfield for Washington in his career, uh, and most recently spent some time out at corner. But I kind of would rather. I mean. To me, it seems like get Gordon and well, and move Taylor back to ASA Turner's spot
1: Gordon was in there yeah, in the fourth quarter of that game and put his helmet yeah. right on the ball and forced that fumble so
0: I mean, when it was yeah. winning time,
1: like Gordon was certainly out on the field where he, where he belongs, yeah,
0: yeah, and that's good to see because he was like a little shaky when he first got here. He played early and like wasn't the world's greatest
1: yeah i mean it, I mean first of all he anybody's gonna look shaky when. Your backfield is, you know, like you said, like in, when the standard against which you're being judged is a Kevin King, Buda Baker, uh, Sidney Jones, Taylor Rapp. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So I mean like he anybody that's a tough that's gonna be tough to live up to, but I yeah, he's young too. He's a he's a you know, only, like first year is getting meaningful time out there. So um I the future's bright for that guy. Yeah. All
0: right. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, this was like just a hiccup away from being a absolute woe is me, dogs are terrible podcast. <laughs> I'm unmoved off my position that they're the best team in the world.
1: <laughs> Saved. Saved by the bell,
0: man. Yeah. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. Uh, for Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.